Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Rose mentioned, today is week two of our Let's Build This campaign. You might see we've got some new banners and things like that around the place. Um, but yeah, this is an exciting campaign to be part of it because we are building something big. Now, on the topic of building something big, the thing which I have thought in the past and the thing which I have had to actively battle against is the idea that as an individual person, I can't make a difference. And have you ever looked at a task in front of you and said, wow, this is too big, it's too hard, or have you ever found yourself saying, I don't have enough? But what I've learned and what I want to talk about this morning is that if you are willing and open and if you are teachable, if you are diligent, then God can use what you've got. And he can add his miracle in there to build something great for his kingdom. And so this is what we're doing. We are building this. Now, when it comes to my part in building God's kingdom, the challenge is priority. The challenge is that I want to spend money on this, or I want to spend time on that, or I've been saving up for this holiday, or I want to... Um, and then if I give money towards this, you know, kingdom building, then I'll be going backwards. Have you ever thought that in your mind? I'll never get there. But God makes this priority simple. And he says in Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And so what are all these things, you might ask? They are all the things that we worry about. Our clothes, our food, a place to live, a car. Matthew 6 verses 25 to 32 talks about all those things that we worry about, the things that our mind fixes to right at that moment when we're asked to build his kingdom. Those are the things. So you might be thinking, Seek first the kingdom. Oh, yeah, I like, like that makes any sense, Tim. If I use all my resources to build the kingdom of God, then I'll have nothing. Well, first of all, God's not asking you to give all of your resources. But to that, Jesus would say, you're right. You're going to have to trust. You're going to have to believe. You're going to have to have faith that your Father in heaven cares for you more than the birds in the sky and more than the flowers in the field. Now, what did Jesus say just before this scripture? What's the reason we should be not seeking all these things in life and not spending it all on me? Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up, don't hoard for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And then Jesus contrasts this with what we should do. And he says in verse 20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, if you are going to put an effort in and toil and work on something, it may as well last, right? So if you're going to save up treasure, it may as well be sure that it's not going to be wasted. So we're going to store up our treasure, not here on earth, but we're going to store up our treasures in heaven. And then Jesus says something that's amazing. Check out this, verse 21. He says, for where, what, what he says was and is completely countercultural, 
right? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus says that thing that you value, that thing that you put first is where your heart is. And so all of us Jesus followers need to ask ourselves the question, where's my treasure? What is the end goal for my resources? What am I going to spend it on? Is it going to be me? And Jesus would say, saving all your money for earthly things is not a wise move long term. Because heaven is for all eternity. It's forever and ever. And like I said, God makes the priority simple. He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And that's why I titled the message, First Things First, this morning. Because God, when it comes to our time, our resources, our money, he kind of talks about, hey, you should put first things first. You know, he makes it really, our priority really clear. He boils it down to two choices. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters because you will either hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. In other words, if you try and serve both God and money, You can't. And here's why. Those who surrender themselves to following Jesus become servants of God for life. And those who prioritize building wealth for themselves on earth surrender themselves as slaves to materialism. And as slaves depend on their masters to provide everything that is needed, those devoted more to God or also more to money, depend on their respective masters to provide for them. Understand this. The demands of those two masters will always seem to compete in life. And Jesus says a person can't serve both God and money. And this doesn't mean that someone who serves God wholeheartedly will not have money or possessions. That's not what I'm saying at all. And Jesus is not suggesting that Christians must be poor or destitute or flee from any kind of luxury, it doesn't mean that being a Christian is incompatible with being rich. But what he means is that a person sincerely serving God will not organize their life around the acquisition of wealth for themselves. And he is, and here is the key, guys. Money for a righteous person is just another tool by God to be used for his purposes. So now the key to serving God and not to serving money is to pre-decide, to be ready or to be prepared. And you might be asking, well, how can we be ready? What are you talking about, Tim? We can be ready by choosing to make the decision before money comes into our hand. That is, before you get paid, decide that I'm going to seek first his kingdom. And did you know that money can be your master? or that you can be a slave to it? And you might say, sure I do, Tim. I've got a credit card. I know what it's like to be a slave to it. I've signed up to that afterpay thing and I've been paying ever since. (laughs) But here's the deal. If it takes up your thinking time, whether you are rich or poor, it can take up your thinking time. If you worry about it, if your focus and attention is always drawn back to it, then that's, a warning sign that you are a slave to money. 
Okay, so now the simplest and most practical way to ensure that you are not a slave to money is to get the most basic understanding of how to handle it. And whether you're a Christian or not, this applies to you and this should help you. So check it out. We have to get the order right. And this will save you so much emotion. This will save you so much um, you know, time and your relationships will be so much stronger if you get this right. This is something that we, Rose and I, teach our kids, okay? Financially, we need to put first things first. So when you earn or receive money, this is what you do. Most importantly about what I'm about to say is, is the order in which you do it. And that is first you give, second you save, and third, you spend. Notice that order. First you give, then after you've given, you save some, then after you've saved some, you spend. And you might say, well, hang on a minute, that means I need to kind of like prioritise how much it costs for me to live so that I can give first, save second and spend. And yep, that's right, you might need to do that. And so you also might say, hi, oh, Tim, I see what you're doing. You're going to take up an offering and you're going to ask for money and you're just trying to get my money. And my answer is, yes, eventually we will take up an offering, but no, I'm not trying to get your money. What I'm trying to do is to make sure that you are not a slave to money. I'm trying to make sure that money is not your master. So no one who has lived on this earth for at least five minutes can see that it's so easy to get out of order in this way. In fact, it's probably our first instinct, our first approach to money is usually like this. First, I'm going to spend, then I'm going to save. And if there's anything left, then I might give. <laughs> but for Christians, living life out of order will not allow us to store up treasures in heaven. And ultimately, this can result in us being a slave to a credit card or a slave to debt. Now, if you're new to this, I want to encourage you to give this a go. There might be some resistance at first. It's a bit like exercise and going to the gym or choosing to run five kilometers every second day. It hurts at first, but over a prolonged period of time, the benefits become apparent. So if you're new to this, the idea of prioritizing your money, the Bible calls this being a good steward, okay? Prioritizing is understanding that sometimes in order for my yes to be a yes, I need to say no to something else. For example, I may not be able to afford a new car right now. I may have to use public transport for a while. For example, I have to unsubscribe from Amazon Prime for a while. <laughs> Again, if you're new to this, the idea of prioritizing money, this is what it is. It's deciding I am not living with the assumption that all the money I get is for my consumption. Rather, it's creating margin or space for God to use my resources for his glory. Because that is what Jesus followers do. Now, I've learned that if you consistently apply the give, save, spend method of handling your resources, you will find Jesus' statement to be true when he said, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added to you. 
And King Solomon, he actually said it this way in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. He said, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with over with new wine. But, you know, this isn't just a formula, guys. I need you to understand that this is actually a heart response. This is honouring God thing. It's us saying to God, God, I trust you. I'm grateful for all that I have. And you are, as we sung, more than enough for me. So each time I receive money or resources, I choose to place you first. And as we trust and as we activate that ask, as we give, we, we activate the ask by saying, God, I ask that as I give you 10% or 15% of my income, that you will give me the wisdom to use the remaining 90% or 85%, that you will bless it and multiply it. It's sowing a seed. Giving is a heart response. Like I said, it's an honouring God thing. Once our heart has got on board and once our will has been surrendered, the next hurdle we can look at is the enormity of the task. And we can think, oh man, this is too big or too hard. But I want to encourage you today. We can do it. You and me, together with God, we can do it. And there are several stories in the Bible that there have been progress in taking ground and they involve obedience to God and they involve faith, surrender of self-doubt and courage to take action beyond where I am now. And I believe that using what we have and allowing God to multiply, supply and bring the miracle that we together can build his kingdom. So I'm going to give you a few examples. The first one is in Matthew 14, 13 to 21. And this is when Jesus fed 5,000 people. And they had, what they all had was um, a few fish and five loaves of bread. But when Jesus gave thanks, the disciples obeyed. And thousands were fed and 12 baskets were collected in surplus. Now, when our faith through obedience intersects with God, then miracles happen. You see, when we are thankful and recognize who our provider is, who our gyra is, then God releases a provision blessing. Another example is in Exodus 4, 1 to 2. You know, Moses, he doubted and looked at his shortfalls. All he had was a staff in his hand, and yet God used it. And Moses' eventual obedience combined with God's miracle power led to the children of Israel being freed from slavery out of Egypt and into the promised land. And a third one is in 2 Kings verse 4. You might have heard of this before. It's a story about Elisha and the widow's olive oil. This woman, she'd lost her husband. Could you imagine it? If you're, if you're a woman out there and your husband's died and he was, you know, your means of um, supply and provision. And it was kind of like she'd spent all her resources. She was at the end of her resources and the creditors were coming to take her two sons as slaves. Could you imagine this? Elisha said to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you actually have in your house? The woman gave her last jar of oil. And as she obeyed and poured it out, God brought 
the provision miracle. The oil actually did not stop flowing until no more jars were left to fill. So today I'm not asking you what you don't have for the Let's Build This campaign. I'm asking you what you do have to give. What's the staff in your hand? What's the jar of oil that you have to give? It could be time. It could be money. It could be resources. You know, um, as um, kids, you might kind of like, I'm going to speak to the kids for a moment. As, as kids, you might be thinking to yourself, but, but I don't have money. And I understand that. But, you know, you've got to look at what you do have. You might have some stuff that you could sell on Facebook Marketplace because you're never going to use it again. You might be able to help out with a bunning sausage sizzle thing. You might be able to, you know, um, do like a fundraising and sell chocolates. We've done these things in the past and I want you to start to be creative. I want you to not think of what you don't have, but I want you to think of what you do have. Why? Because God wants to use you. And... He wants you to use you to build his kingdom. He wants you to be part of it. And this can be daunting at first. It may feel like you're under-resourced or underqualified, but I want you to be, understand this. God wants to use you just as you are. So here's the question I want you to walk away with. Today, I'd like to, uh, you to ask yourself, what is in my hand? What can I give? For those on our Team MCC email list, this Friday just gone, you'll have received an email titled, Let's Build This 2021. And inside that was a vision document. And so inside this document, you'll see that at Manningham Christian Centre, our church's vision is to be a large community where the perfect love of Jesus embraces all. That's our vision, guys. That's what we're about to be a large community where the perfect love of Jesus embraces everyone. And so we are making this vision a reality. I just want to give you just an inside view into how this church runs a little bit. As someone, me, who is on the oversight, I can tell you guys, we do not spend money flippantly and we do not make decisions rashly. Now, in the past, we have diligently paid off the debt for this church building that we have. But now, now is a new and exciting chapter. Now, we are looking to expand and grow. And how will we expand and grow? In that vision document, you'll see that we have been called um, to take on four key initiatives. The first one is starting a primary school to raise and influence young people in a powerful environment, in a godly environment. The second is to improve our church building. And we're going to start off with an architectural master plan and we're going to um, start to upgrade this building so we can, you know, influence the community around us. And we are going to support and grow CareNet. And this is an amazing service in our church, which provides life-giving um, services to the community. And, and fourth, we are going to plant more churches. And this is growing beyond our current size. So this is how we're going to expand and grow. As a group of Jesus followers, we are collectively looking to put aside money and resources for these four initiatives. And we believe that in doing so, we will be responding to Isaiah's prophecy for God's people. In Isaiah 54 verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and stretch out your stakes. 
And you know why this scripture is so significant? It's so significant because in the chapter just before this in Isaiah 53 is the great promise of Jesus and what he will do for humanity. We read this at Christmas time. It contains intimate details of his purpose and how Jesus will die for our sins. And then as you keep reading and moving to Isaiah 54, it's like God says, hey, in light of what Jesus has done, he calls his people to expand and grow. And here's a snippet of what Isaiah 53 says, just for your memory. It says, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. This is Isaiah prophesying what Jesus is going to do. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our inequities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So today at MCC, we are doing the thing which Jesus encouraged his followers to do. And that is we are leveraging what we have for others. At MCC, we are building for generations to come. And we're inviting you to partner with us as we build and expand the kingdom. You know why this enlarge the place of your tent scripture is so significant? You know why we're looking to expand and grow as a church? It's because that is what God has called MCC to do. So I want to talk a bit about of an application. This week, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read that vision document and I want you to ask God for a heart for the vision of MCC. I want you to apply the principle of putting first things first. That is give, save and spend in a way which works for you. I want you to review what you can actually do both financially and with the resources you have for this campaign. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God to reveal to you what you can do to build his kingdom. And lastly, I want you to prepare. For some of you who are in a family, you're going to need to talk to them and you're going to need to get a plan and talk about how much we're going to give. And on June 27th, together, we are going to joyfully sow. And I want you to just imagine, as we joyfully sow together, I want you to just watch what God will do. As he receives our fragrant offering, a sacrifice which is acceptable and pleasing to him. And I can't see, wait to see what miracle God will perform on the giving that you are partnering with him in. I'm going to invite Rose up really soon, but I want you to remember what I said at the start. I said, I've learned that if you're willing and open, and if you're teachable and if you're diligent, then God will use what you've got. And he can add his miracle in there to build something great for his kingdom. And in closing, I believe that to build a legacy for generations to come, these four initiatives are the direction that God is leading us in. I believe that these initiatives are the next steps for us to be a large community where the perfect love of Jesus embraces all. Will you join me? Come on, let's build this.